Welcome to Health Cetera's podcast. When most people need medical advice, they turn to medical professionals. They are the experts in their field. Dr. Norbert Goldfield, co-founder of Ask Nurses and Doctors, believes the same logic should apply to the congressional representatives elected to shape healthcare policy. Ask Nurses and Doctors is a bipartisan organization looking to help place well-qualified healthcare professionals into the political positions that hold power in reforming America's healthcare system. On this podcast, Health Cetera correspondent and registered nurse Eve Adler hosts Dr. Norbert Goldfield for a conversation about American healthcare reform and how Ask Nurses and Doctors is looking to contribute to its improvement. This podcast first aired on Health Cetera in the Catskills on WIOX Radio in April of 2022. Hello, my name is Eve Adler. I'm a registered nurse, integrative health educator, and Health Cetera correspondent. Today, we'll be talking about an organization called Ask Doctors and Nurses and find out what is their mission. How can they improve the health care of a nation? So let's get started. With me today is Dr. Norbert Goldfield. Norbert is a medical doctor and board certified internist who has developed a national network of healthcare professionals through a variety of projects. He's consulted with Congress on healthcare legislation over the past 25 years and has worked as a researcher developing tools linking payment for healthcare services to improved quality of health outcomes. He's written over 50 books and articles on healthcare, both in the lay and scientific press. Norbert is also co-founder of Healing Across the Divides, an organization that seeks to improve the health of marginalized Israelis and Palestinians via community-based interventions. In addition to all of this and why we are here today is to discuss the project of Ask Nurses and Doctors in which Norbert is the co-founder. Ask Nurses and Doctors is a bipartisan venture whose mission is to work to identify and support political candidates with proven or potentially effective healthcare programs. So welcome to Health Cetera, Norbert. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be out. Did I leave anything out? Not at all. Everything <laughs> you said too much about me. It's just a pleasure to be with you. Oh, great. I'm glad to have you here today. So tell us about what were some of the factors that led you to create Ask Nurses and Doctors. So it's actually fairly simple at its beginning. Uh, after the presidential election in 2016, uh, I resigned from actually more than 30 years of research work. Uh, and I said, I really want to get more involved directly in the political process. Uh, I basically gave a year's notice, thought about it for a while, and in 2018, incorporated Ask Nurses and Doctors, or AND. And the, the mission is exactly as you said it, is to help elect competitive political candidates so we don't work with candidates or incumbents that are either going to easily win or easily lose, but competitive political candidates 
who have what I would call a practical approach to healthcare reform. So we can discuss that in the point as to what that means. And in 2018, I started just by myself uh, and um, did it on specs, so to speak, looked at all the races that were occurring in the Northeast. And, and I, and I live in Massachusetts, settled on a race that seemed competitive, the second district in Maine. And that was uh, hitting uh, Bruce Colquin, who was basically, to make it simple, a pre-Trump Trump, uh, uh, and against Jared Golden, the Democrat. Uh, and I want to emphasize, as you said in the introduction, that we're bipartisan. We have both Gail Walensky, who's the head of CMS on the George Bush one, who's a Republican, obviously, and Don Berwick, who is the head of CMS under uh, uh, President Obama. So in that race, uh, I organized over 100 healthcare professionals, started with one, and we basically coordinated with the campaign. So as nurses and doctors, it's not a 501c3. It intends to work directly with campaigns and to coordinate with campaigns to help competitive candidates win. And Representative Golden won. He won on ranked choice voting, which means that he won by the narrowest of margins. And so he has said so publicly uh, that we made a difference. And of course, our, our difference was very modest, but in a situation where you have ranked choice voting, every vote counts. And as, in essence, uh, we received a couple contracts in 2020 for the 2020 election, worked on a bunch of races, uh, congressional races, tried to help out with President uh, Biden, and some won, some lost, and here we are in 2022, and we'll hope for the best for continued healthcare reform. And um, how do you motivate people to do this? What exactly do you do to get the candidates on the ballots and to get votes, et cetera? So in motivating healthcare professionals, it really depends on, it's a great question, because it really depends on the time. So. In 2018 and 2020, it wasn't so hard. You know, it really wasn't, especially 2018. 2020 was a little more challenging, not that people were motivated, but we were full swing into COVID. You know, so that was, that was its own set of challenges. So there was really no in-person meetings, which created other opportunities because we could do a work with uh, candidates by Zoom in California and Iowa, which we wouldn't have ordinarily done. Um, so, in 2022, however, it's a little bit different, my perception. Well, first of all, we're too early in the campaign. It's only people like myself who are really engaged, you know, and interested in the political campaign and see who could be competitive and who might not be. And secondly, frankly, a lot of people, except for people like me, because I'm never going to burn out, but a lot of people are burned out, you know, and are tired. Uh, and so the question is, is how do we motivate them? And so it's really my job and other people's job in different states, try to identify what interests them. But we do realize at, uh, at the end of the day that right now, people are not so interested. You know, so we're really waiting until July or August, but we're trying to build up the networks now uh, and, uh, and aim for, for that period of time. And when you are looking at the candidates of interest, what particular aspects of their views on healthcare reform do you focus on? Right. So the, uh, from an overarching or big picture perspective, 
Um, first of all, just as a background said, we don't get involved in primaries. So uh, we, we do not, uh, uh, you know, we want to wait till the primary is over, find the candidate and, or incumbent and find somebody who's interested in healthcare reform. So what does that mean? At a macro perspective, there's uh, what I define as macro uh, as healthcare reform is universal healthcare coverage, which can only occur in one of two ways. Uh, it can occur through the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare or single payer. The reality is that in terms of single payer, it seems that it's very unlikely for single payer act advocates uh, to win in a competitive district. Uh, though, again, as long as somebody is uh, competitive, we're happy to, uh, to help support them, you know, uh, whichever. And then we get into details. You know, if we go beyond the health insurance issue, you know, getting health insurance for everybody, which we know is absolutely critical, you know, that, that drives people's behavior. Once we get beyond that, then there's issues such as home care, such as drug prices, things like that, all of which are important, but are not exactly uh, overarching issues. Okay, and you've written about the critical role that uh, for healthcare professionals during this time. What do you feel that role is? So at a personal level, when I see patients, I see patients about 30 hours a week. So that's uh, my clinical care as, as an internal medicine doctor. And uh, the reality is we have high credibility with our patients, or at least the patients who come back to see me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and in fact, I was, I was talking to a patient yesterday. It was just amazing. Who uh, I've been at this one practice for a little over 30 years. And he was one of my first patients. And we were just, you know, reminiscing, you know, ab about that, you know. So, but people like that, for sure, I have high social credibility. And health professionals have high social credibility. So that's the whole premise behind AND or Ask Nurses and Doctors, that we as healthcare professionals have high social credibility, which means that uh, uh, as long as we stick to our knitting, which is healthcare reform, we obviously are not going to be talking about, you know, foreign policy and things like that, you know, out of which, uh, of which we have really no, nothing more to say than any other, you know, uh, average American uh, citizen. But on healthcare reform and healthcare issues, and for example, on vaccines, we do have a singular role in terms of, frankly, combating disinformation, you know. Now, let me be clear, uh, you know, I have a few patients Certainly more than 90% 90 90 of my patients have been vaccinated. You know, not all of them have been. Uh, and so you're not going to convince everybody. But the reality is, is that we as healthcare professionals have a particular role on vaccine uh, uh, and COVID misinformation, which unfortunately is a, is a serious issue. And, as, and uh, uh, not coincidentally, along the same lines, people look up to us for information and ideas on healthcare reform on how to control drug prices. We have a commonsensical point of view, but that's built on decades of experience. I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I mean, uh, healthcare providers, nurses, doctors, especially nurses have, have uh, been the profession that people have trusted so much. And I, I think what's important is the, also the way we convey information that we aren't 
taking a side when we are conveying information, but giving the facts as we know it as healthcare professionals. Totally agree. And I want to emphasize uh, the point that you stated. When I, I myself, I'm a physician, but it's nurses, absolutely. Nurses are more trusted more than physicians. Let's be clear. But the reality is we're both trusted very highly as our pharmacists and as our healthcare professionals in general. Uh, uh, so we're, we aim and we welcome the participation in ask nurses and doctors of any healthcare professional. Uh, it was just recently, I think it was yesterday or today, an article came out. Uh, tell us a little bit about that article. It was an article, I'm not sure if you wrote it, but it's about you. Well, it's about all of us who participated and it's really about the whole issue of healthcare professionals as diplomats, healthcare professionals who that implement uh, a political vaccine. So that's, that's the term that we wanna encourage uh, thinking, uh, thinking about because vaccines unfortunately today uh, have become very politicized. And we as healthcare professionals can be uh, diplomats and we have a way of saying things that have high social credibility and we can say it in a way to, to essentially employ our credibility uh, to, uh, to as, as, uh, as stated in the article, thinking about a quote unquote political vaccine. A political vaccine. That's such an interesting term. <laughs> you know, there's part of me that thinks, oh, that's a, that's a term that might trigger people. Well, it's an interesting question. At the end of the day, uh, the, um, uh, that's the whole point of starting as nurses and doctors. I love doing the research that I did. Uh, but we all live, all of us as, as human beings, we live in a political sphere. We live in a, a significant political decision-making that, uh, that is only becoming more complex. And so that's my effort and other people's efforts uh, to acknowledge that in this case, vaccines are, uh, are, uh, are politicized. We live in a political uh, realm or political era. And in fact, vaccines can be helpful, you know, in, in, in sort of making a preventative approach to COVID. And that's why we wanna arm healthcare with a political vaccine and to say, we're gonna use our credibility to really try to help and work with Americans uh, to, to improve healthcare. You've talked about uh, the patients that you've seen during COVID and you mentioned 90% of them were vaccinated. What kind of health issues have you seen among patients during this whole time of COVID and the pandemic? Well, first of all, I want to acknowledge the suffering and in fact death of a fair number of my patients. Uh, and so my patient populations is a low income uh, population. Uh, I speak Spanish fluently with an Italian accent. I was born in Italy. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, so I wanna first of all, acknowledge those individuals who have suffered terribly. And, uh, and unfortunately many who have, who have passed away. So the kinds of issues that we're dealing with are, I would say, threefold. Number one, not in order of importance, 
but the issues of COVID themselves, uh, including long COVID, uh, which is definitely has afflicted any number of my patients. Number two is the, uh, the mental health and substance abuse consequences of, uh, of, of a COVID era where the overdoses, as we all know, has just skyrocketed, depression has skyrocketed. So we've, we need to deal with these issues and we have dealt with these issues to the best that we can. Uh, the reality is there's just not enough resources. And thirdly, you have everything else that's the usual issues of diabetes, you know, hypertension, everything else that we, we deal with, cancer, and more, got more, um, more challenged, became more challenged because of the fact that things were just not happening very rapidly because everybody was inundated with COVID. So those are the three categories. And, and what types of resources or help or tips uh, were you, are you able to, to give to people during this time? Well, the reality is, is that um, two things I would say on that. Number one, uh, having telephonic uh, or virtual appointments really makes a difference. Um, most of my patients are not able to do uh, 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 video appointments. They're just They don't have the uh, financial wherewithal or technical wherewithal to do it, uh, but particularly financial. Um, uh, and then secondly, frankly, uh, my patients are lucky in some ways. My wife is not too happy about it, but all my patients have my cell phone. Oh. <laughs> so, so they can... Uh, they can reach out to me. So, you know, when they're bummed out or something, you know, they can, they can reach out or if they have, you know, uh, I've got any number of texts this morning, some of which I always say that you'll hear from me within 24 hours and, uh, and I try to do my best. Uh, so that's really the, the, uh, uh, the, the two keys as far as I'm concerned. The issue is access, you know, and we found, frankly, and shouldn't be surprising, but it's impressive that at least for people like myself, and I've been in practice for 45 years, that, um, that reality, the reality is more than 90% of the care can be done on the phone. It's as simple as that. I've been doing it for quite a while. And uh, now I do a mixture now uh, of face-to-face uh, uh, -face and uh, a telephonic. But the reality is most of the work can be done uh, um, telephonically. But we're back to face-to-face -to -face for many of our care, uh, many of our patients. I think what has come out of this uh, pandemic is in terms of working, people have realized how much of their work can actually be done from home. And the combination of working from home and in person you know, maybe the wave of the future. But getting back to ask nurses and doctors, how do you recruit professionals to, to um, assist with this effort? Well, hopefully the people will contact me as a consequence of this podcast, as an example. And how would people contact you? Yep, so you can go to the website, which is www.asknursesdoctors.com. You can email me at norbert at asknursesdoctors.com. Um, and um, 
there's Facebook, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, uh, and, and so on and so forth. So are there any number of ways? And then there's my phone number. Uh, so that's 413-800-2680. So you can contact me that way too. The, the old, the old fashioned way, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, the, uh, um, so that's number one. Number two, uh, you know, like the article that you referred to yesterday, uh, that came out yesterday, we're hoping, you know, to spread that word around, you know, uh, and it's came out in the American Nurses Association, um, one of their main publications, and hopefully a lot of people, apparently they have a subscription of 100,000. Well, even if we get 100 out of the 100,000 nurses, that's 100 nurses right there. And when I started with the Jared Golden race back in 2018, I knew one person, no one person for my research work. And from that, I was able to generate, uh, uh, you know, one to one to one, et cetera, et cetera. And we got to almost 150 people. Wow. The, the old fashioned word of mouth or the tried and true word of mouth. That's how I found that, out about you as well. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Exactly. So, uh, that's uh, that's the best way, and you know the two of us together can make a difference. I totally agree with that. I would like to thank you so much for being on Health Cetera today. So uh, thanks for spending some time with us. I'm Eve Adler, and you've been listening to Health Cetera. You've been listening to a podcast of Health Cetera in the Catskills. For more podcasts and discussions of important health issues and policies affecting health, go to Health Cetera's website and blog at www.healthmediapolicy.com. That's www.healthmediapolicy.com. This podcast was produced by Diana Mason, Barbara Glickstein, and production assistant Kai Volsey.